You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Box. I am your host, Kane Pittman, joined by the founder of BrewGroup.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden, as we continue our Christmas Day preview, Bucks and Sixers. Remember, if you missed yesterday's podcast, go back and listen to that one first, and then you can follow it up with this one as we look at all the storylines heading into this game that, as I record right now on Christmas morning here in Australia, is less than 24 hours away until tip. In fact, the game will be done and dusted by this time tomorrow. And uh, it really has been one of the more anticipated games since the schedule came out. We know that the Bucks and Sixers don't particularly like each other. And this one is going to be the meeting of two elite defenses. And then that's where I feel this game is going to be won. So we're going to continue our chat. But before we do, some Bucks news over the past 24 hours since we wrapped up yesterday's episode. And that's Rajon Tucker getting a chance. He has been signed to a deal with the Utah Jazz. You will hear on today's podcast uh, that uh, I do mention the Dante Exum trade with uh, Jordan Clarkson between the Cavs and the Jazz, which at the time felt like that was going to be the news. This chat with Frank was recorded yesterday. A follow-up move from Utah was to waive veteran wing Jeff Green, and then they've gone ahead and snaffled Rajon Tucker from the Herd, who's been having a fantastic season. And we know uh, the Wisconsin Herd at this point, a 14-3 and record, uh, number one in the conference, number one in the league. And Tucker has been averaging 23.8 points, 4.6 rebounds, 2.8 assists. He's been shooting 38% from three. And we know with the way that the G League is trending in terms of players getting those opportunities to get a call-up, Tucker clearly became the best player on the best team in the G League, and that is generally going to result in a call-up. And there was some talk that the Bucks really wanted to keep this guy in the system, but it's just a matter of <laughs> not enough spots, and uh, it sucks for the herd, and that's going to be a big blow for them, but this is the nature of the G League, and I think... As a as a franchise, it's still a good sign that these guys that the that the Bucks are bringing in not only the young players with up at the NBA level, but the, the the guys that are at the G League level are developing. They're getting better and they're getting a chance to play in a similar system to what Bud is running up in the Bucks. So Tucker gets his chance with the Jazz. We hope to see him get some minutes, and now we will wait and see what the next move is for the herd after losing. Uh, really. The key guy, they have a bunch of other guys averaging 20 points. Dragon Bender, obviously, when he's been down there, Frank Mason and Jalen Adams as well. But that's uh, certainly a big hole to fill right there. But won't mess around any longer. I'm going to jump straight back in. As I said, this is a continuation of yesterday's chat. So uh, do make sure to go back and listen to the pod from Tuesday there to catch up on the first half of this chat. Let's get into it. 
I want to go back to the Lakers game a little bit here just because I, I think there's some similarities like when you look at obviously what the Lakers can do whether it's it's LeBron or, or Anthony Davis and then have one of the other big guys McGee although I do think McGee and, and Howard are kind of nullified against the Bucs but they have a number of bodies much like the Sixers that can slow the Bucs down and the interesting thing about that Lakers game is that only 34 points in the paint for Milwaukee and yeah the Bucs were, were obviously pretty dominant but Giannis hitting five threes, I don't think is something you're going to rely on over a seven-game series or, you know, even a one-off night. So, I mean, is that, was that, or is that a concern, should I say, that that the Lakers still, even though the Bucks won the game, points in the paint were down a lot. And how do you change that if, if Giannis isn't, isn't hitting those threes? Because I suspect that that's obviously going to be the game plan. Because even though Giannis is hitting them and you do have to respect him out there now, I still think it's a preferred option than him dunking all over you all night. Yeah, I mean, again, uh, you know, there there's going to be games where Giannis, and again, he's hit, what, 23 straight games or whatever with a three. So the consistency has been remarkable, but there are going to be games where um, maybe he's too reliant on that and you say, oh, he took too many threes and he didn't attack enough, right? I mean, inevitably that's going to happen at some point. Um, so I, I don't know if that's going to be something, how often that happens. Um I think, uh, you know, especially with Bledsoe out, you notice when Giannis is maybe settling for, for threes, sure. uh, you notice that that differential a little bit more. Um, you know, I think look at the Pacer game, a game where it felt like Giannis was having a very hard time getting the rim. I mean, the Bucks still won the paint battle 48 to 34. Um, so, again, I think the glass half full would say, well, you know, being able to win different ways is, is very valuable, mm-hmm. especially as you face different types of teams in the playoffs. So, you know, looking back last year, the Bucks being able to win when other teams hit a lot of threes, when they hit few threes, when they hit a lot of threes. I mean, Bucks have shown like they're not they're not like singularly dependent on necessarily any one type of of basketball. Um, and and again, the depth and the versatility and consistency of Giannis is is obviously a, a big part of that story. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think that's. I mean, look at the playoff series last year against the Raptors, right? That's going to be the question is, um, can a team turn Giannis into a jump shooter? And I mean, if we say that a team turns Giannis into a jump shooter for an entire playoff series, I would say we'd all agree that's a bad thing. <laughs> no matter no matter if, if Giannis yeah. is becoming better in that regard or not, um, you know, the Bucks still want to play, I think, inside with Giannis and then out. Um, by forcing defenses to, you know, collapse and, and whatever kind of beyond that. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, it was it was random because I think they were outscored in the paint by the Knicks as well. Yeah. Um, the next game, so that two felt, straight that, games. I will say that felt more like uh... choosing choosing to just <laughs> yeah. shoot open threes. Just like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, 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 I agree. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I, I I will say this: I didn't think Giannis um, couldn't get to the rim or something like that <laughs> against. Yeah. Uh, against that that uh that Knicks team it just felt like oh you guys are just going to leave corner yeah. three shooters open all night okay that's fine um so so yeah it's it's going to be interesting i think certainly um you know Brooke Lopez i mentioned him briefly as far as defend, defending Giannis but uh you know we talked obviously a lot about him last night having hit 7 out of 14 threes in the last couple games you know you cross your fingers that this is a real you know progression to the mean let's say uh given how much he kind of has not been able to find got consistent stroke from the perimeter if he starts to find that and we saw him going to the basket a couple times we saw a glacial facial uh we saw some open court playmaking he basically went like two-thirds of the way down the court and then dumped Giannis for a dunk uh last night as well so um you know he's up to 30.5 percent now from three on the season which you know it's sort of those things like i'm 
know, given how much it felt like he's he's had so few games where he's really found his range, it's um, I, I see that number and I think, oh, okay, that's kind of encouraging. Um, but he's also, I mean, he's playing two and a half fewer minutes per game this year, 29 to 26 minutes per game. Um, but he's also, his attempt number is down from 6.3 to 4.9. So it, kind of interesting to wonder how much of that is due to uh, defenses maybe not giving him uh, as many kind of easy open looks. Um, but then also maybe how much of that is him just maybe not kind of taking as many of those heat checks. Cause let's be honest, he just hasn't been as hot as, yeah. as, uh, as consistently as, as certainly it seemed like he was last year. So um, obviously that's one of those things I think we'll watch the remainder of the season for him getting back to where, you know, hopefully a, a greater comfort level, in terms of shooting threes, but you know, last year, 36 and a half percent year before that 34 and a half percent year before that 34 and a half percent. So yeah, I mean, he's pretty much always been around 35, 36% in these three now four seasons where he's been high volume, but that's obviously very important because whether it's Horford or Embiid who's guarding him, um, if he's forcing you to really come out and check him, you know, 28 feet from the basket, that obviously changes the geometry of the court a little bit for the Bucks versus if, uh, you know, teams can get away with, with not having to come from out there. Yeah, when I, when I look at the the stats uh, right down the roster, I, I feel like Brooks shooting uh, or Brooks three point percentage might be the one thing that really stands out to me. That like I expect that that's gonna that's gonna come back to the norm. I mean, there's a couple of over. Like I'm not expecting, <laughs> you know. I mean, I, I hope we spoke about it on yesterday's podcast. Hopefully, it's it sticks. But I'm not sure whether George Hill is is going to remain on track to potentially have the best three point shooting season in the history of the game, but. Um, I, I, which you know, coincidentally is was is Kyle Korver's record, so that would be um that would be kind of fun if, if that was a, a legitimate uh race down the stretch. But when when we think back to the start of the season, some of those over and unders that we did, uh, first of all, I, I think I took the, or when we spoke about whether the Bucks could have a, a player shoot two hundred threes, I think I said, <laughs> I think I think you said that it probably isn't going to happen. But if you had to take one of Lopez or Middleton, you would take Middleton. He's missed seven games, but uh, he's not really on pace for that anyway. I think I said I would take Brook Lopez, so that was a complete disaster. That might be the biggest disaster out of all the over and unders for me. But a couple other ones we had, Giannis, uh, the three-point percentage was at 32%, I think. And I was like, and it was it was kind of wishful thinking at the time. And I certainly didn't think that he was going to be getting up more than five a game. That was not, I would not have predicted that, but he's, he's above that. And another interesting one was Robin Lopez for uh, cups of tea. I think we had it at 40 and I think we both said that probably won't happen, but uh, Robin Lopez has hit 15 threes so far. And funnily enough, he's at 30.6% Brooke Lopez at 30.5%. So that's uh, something to watch there with, (laughs) with the Lopez brothers. But I do want to talk, and we've spoke about him a lot, but uh, I want to sort of get your heat check on Dante DiVincenzo because I think now we've seen enough of him uh, starting with, with with replacing first Chris Milton and now Eric Bledsoe that it's kind of interesting to just check in and see where he's at. We've spoke obviously endlessly about all the, the little things he does and uh, what I guess you just call winning plays and it doesn't necessarily translate onto the box score. One thing to note with Dante, and it'll be interesting to watch how this plays out in terms of whether they eventually look to get him some rest or, or monitor his minutes a little bit. He's now played 28 games this season. 
Uh, only played 27 last year, obviously, with the heel injury that he's sort of had two extended stints on the sideline with that. Uh, but he's about to get into really uncharted territory with how many minutes and how many games he's played when you consider that obviously he was coming straight out of college. You don't play anywhere near uh, the, the NBA regular season load. Plus the fact that the Bucks are really looking at having, uh, if everything goes to plan, I've been mean, playing you know high 90s, 100 plus games this season. So for him to continue like this sort of positive output, I mean, it's going to be a, a put a big toll on his body. And I think that the good thing about Dante is that he doesn't necessarily need to shoot well to impact the game. And I think that that would be a problem. And it's a problem for a lot of NBA players that if they have an off shooting night or if they're not scoring the ball, then it really affects their impact. Whereas with Dante, he's one of those players where he can always have an impact on the game purely through uh, his energy levels and the things he does with the deflections and the steals and the block shots now that he's... Uh, and the offensive glass, I think that's a big thing for him. He always seems to get those uh, tap backs or, or sky for a, for a big... Uh, second chance opportunity but his shooting is something to watch and I don't know how you feel about this because I was watching him last night and the three-point shot is it's still not reliable like there's there's no doubt about that it's up to 34.3 percent this season he was at 26.5 percent last year and when you look a little closer at the numbers he's shooting 36.4 percent on what uh, nba.com classifies as wide open shots so that's when the defender is six feet or further away uh, he's just 16.7% on tight uh, attempts, which is the defender between two to four feet. And that feels about right to me because he, he if he's got a defender in his face, I, I never really feel like he's going to hit that. Um, but it will be interesting to monitor because we've seen this, this team before uh, where if you have guys out there that are really struggling from three and you think to the playoffs, obviously, where... Uh, you know, ultimately, you can come up with with multiple theories as to why you think the the Bucks lost the Eastern Conference Finals. But if they hit a couple threes, they probably they probably make it. So, the three point shooting and spacing around Giannis is obviously important. It's still, even though I, I mentioned the fact that it's not necessarily necessary for him to score and shoot the ball well, I think that he that that is still a vital aspect of how uh, you can you can put him out there in in big moments in in a playoff game. Yeah, I think Dante, you know, overall, um, and I think when you look at Sterling and Dante, uh, you know, I think those were two guys, maybe you could argue throw DJ in there, right? The, the kind of young group of, uh, of former recent picks that the Bucks have had and kind of wondering like, okay, who of these guys is even going to get really consistent opportunities this year? And who's going to actually, you know, are any of them going to be able to take advantage of that? Or are you going to see the Bucks basically, you know, Bud fall back into just playing his, his kind of old, old reliable guys that mm-hmm. he trusts and are these young guys going to basically just kind of have to watch a lot of stuff. And I think Sterling's been pretty frustrating this season for me watching yeah. him. I think just the playmaking has not been there. Um, I, I just, I haven't, I just feel like you haven't seen really any kind of obvious strides from him um, following, you know, some, some encouraging stuff probably from like middle of last year towards the end of the season, obviously fell back out of the rotation in the playoffs. Um, but Sterling, I'd say, pretty, you know, kind of underwhelming, I would say, or at a minimum has not kind of had that, um, you know, I haven't, haven't seen that kind of anything kind of jump off the page for me in terms of his season so far. Like I kind of get it if, if other guys remain ahead of him in the packing order, but Dante, uh, you know, has been, I don't want to call him a revelation necessarily, um, but he has done, I, I think when you think about why Mike Budenholzer liked him in the draft, why Mike Budenholzer had him as the first guy off the bench, to start last season. 
I think we're, we've seen why, right? We've seen the, the, the good aspects of that and, and the things that he can do, um, you know, especially defensively. Bucks, uh, you know, you look at kind of their, their on-off differentials with him. I mean, they're seven points per 100 better with him on the court defensively. They're about even offensively. Um, and, you know, his, his net rating numbers, I think they're, I mean, they're something crazy this year, like, yeah plus 18 points per 100 when he's on the court per cleaning the glass. So, I mean, you know, he, he is just, he's just a guy. And again, I think you just look at the way the bucks play. They don't necessarily have tons of, of just sort of pure talent coming off that bench, obviously. And I'll put kind of Dante into that group of like, you know, bench slash rotation guys. Since even though he started a lot, you know, he's obviously not kind of an automatic starter in the same way that obviously blood, Chris, uh, Giannis and Brooke are, you know, Wes is, is, I would say in that group with Dante as well even though he started every game. Uh, but I just think, you know, with the way Dante plays, the energy, the unselfishness, uh, and defensively, you know, again, he, he takes some chances, um, doesn't always work out. But just, again, the energy to the ball, whether it's, you know, rebounding, coming up with random blocks, steals, um, you know, he brings an element of, I'd say, productive cha- chaotic sort of or productive chaos to to the defense that I think, you know, is, is a really good sort of compliment maybe to kind of the discipline and conservative nature that it has otherwise. Um, and, and again, it's just when you can get a small guy showing up and like we were talking yesterday, like breaking up a lot for Anthony Davis or skying into a, you know, a group and getting a big rebound or coming up with a random black shot. Um, you know, and that, that it matters on the margins. Right. And again, you know, the, the hashtag winning play stuff, kind of feels like a kind of coaching, um, <laughs> you know, uh, I don't know, sounds like corny coachism stuff sometimes, but I, you know, you watch him night in and night out. I get it. I'm, I'm not surprised that the Bucks have been a lot better when he's been on the court, even though offensively, obviously he's, he's not a guy who's a complete player. He's not, doesn't shoot a ton of high percentage from three. He's often struggles finishing at the rim. So, um, but, but in general, I think you have to be really happy. I mean, you know, again, we were worried about him just being physically well enough to, yeah. you know, play every night. Um, and for him to really have not missed a beat looking as bouncy and, and physically capable as he was last year, even after the foot problems, that's obviously a big plus. And uh, to see him kind of really grab a spot in that rotation and, you know, step in when guys have been missing in the starting five as well. Um, I mean, it's a, it's a huge credit to, I think him and, and what he's been able to accomplish. So, um, so yeah, big, big pluses for, for Dante, I'd say, you know, DJ is still pretty much an incomplete, you know, just really hasn't gotten much of a chance, but certainly out of that group of, of the young guys, you know, I'd say if you were trying to construct trades, if teams were looking at making trades with the Bucks, I mean, I think Dante is an obvious guy that that would have appeal just because the way he, I think plugs and plays with, you know, any, any team that wants to play good basketball um, and, and kind of play two way basketball, I think, you know, would, would obviously, I think like a lot of what they've probably seen from Dante this year. Yeah, I think what you're sort of seeing play out is uh, sort of a reason why Bud last year, even though Dante was was going through all those uh, injury issues, you saw why Bud loved him so much. Because I, I imagine that this is a guy that does all these things right through uh, training camp and, and practice and all those things. And, and he's just different. And I think that's the big thing. And the thing that I pointed to, with uh, when I was talking with Justin Garcia after the Lakers game last week, is that uh, I feel like I don't really have concerns about him in big games either, which is like 
I don't know why I feel like that way. I don't know if it's totally justified. It may just be thinking about, uh, you know, what he did at Villanova. I'm not too sure, but I, I don't look at him as a guy that I'm like, gee, I really want to hide him in, in big games. And that game against the Lakers, who we know uh, play a, a lot of half-court basketball and, and the Sixers as well, we're going to see that with them. I really like having someone like Dante in there in a team that's trying to, to, to force actions in, in the half-court, particularly a team like the Sixers that have such crowded uh, spacing. I mean, they're, they're going to be trying to force things, I think, if the Bucks lock down the pain. And that's where Dante is so dangerous because... He, he's almost reckless <laughs> with the way that he, he jumps passing lanes and goes for those steals and deflections. But uh, when it comes off, which has been pretty regular, uh, it's it's free points for the Bucks because if he gets the ball and Giannis is out running or any of these guys really, uh, those are the types of plays that, that win you games. Yeah, you mentioned Giannis. I mean, he is a guy who is always looking for Giannis, uh, yeah, which yeah. I think is another big positive. He always looks to get Giannis to break to, you know, the ball to Freaky ignite the pass break. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, and, uh, and, and, and obviously as a, you know, a Giannis fan, I'm very happy uh, to, for anybody who has the common sense to give the ball to Giannis when all else fails. Um, but I, I think, you know, really other than, I think the only thing you really worry about, you know, and again, um, you know, in the context of him being a role player, really the only two kind of obvious criticisms I have of him um, are just offensively, you know, when he gets driving to the paint, you just feel like you don't really yeah. trust him to be able to finish sure. um, around traffic. Uh, and again, it's, I think there's just some limitations. His, his athleticism doesn't really translate as well as you'd like as far as attacking the rim. Um, you know, he gets blocked a lot. He throws up a lot of kind of, stuff out the backboard that just doesn't come off and is is you know he's he's a high a high frequency shooter at the rim uh you look at just his profile he's in the 86 percentile among combo guards for shots at the rim unfortunately you know he's below average in terms of finishing um because even though he's smart i think last year he was like 79 percent at the at the rim or something crazy like that but it's because he was pretty much just you know playing off the ball finishing in transition doing stuff like that he wasn't really trying to force stuff himself and this year obviously he's trying to do more of that on his own and so far you know just hasn't been happening um but again if if he can get better in that regard obviously that would be you know a really big uh improvement you know if he can get stronger physically um you know he's obviously got quickness uh and some explosiveness but if he can get stronger being able to finish through traffic a little bit better that would obviously be a big plus and then just some of the shot selection again i mean you know it's it's a let it fly offense so on the one hand you you like guys who are aggressive um but again, some of the three-point attempts, uh, you know, far out with guys right right on him off the dribble. I mean, again, some of those probably could stand to, uh, you know, holster holster those shots um, rather than kind of be quite that aggressive in terms of his three-point shooting. Um, and that would probably lead to improved percentages as well from three. So, you know, I, I kind of judge him a little bit on a curve just because he's so aggressive with his three-point shooting at times that, um, you know, I, I think it's hard for him to be probably in the high 30s, even if he's actually, you know, shooting reasonably well into when you think about hitting open shots, things like that. Um, but, you know, the number you mentioned, he can obviously improve in that regard as well. But, uh, I mean, he's always had a shot that looks good. I think he might have the most aesthetically pleasing shot uh, on the team. It just obviously doesn't go in nearly as much as, uh, as like a number of fires. It's like he, it's like he's too excited. I feel like he's always shooting yeah. long. Like he's, he's a yeah, he does bank he, in. Yeah, he, 
Yeah, I think he almost banked one in early in the yeah, game yeah, last yeah. night. Um, you know, he definitely doesn't suffer from the shooting it short. I think you're, I think you're right. But um, you know, again, not that the way you look dictates how you how successful you are. But I yeah, think he exactly. is a guy that. Yeah, but I think he is a guy that you know. I, I, you know, do I think he? I, I mean, I was worried. Like, is he going to be a guy that shoots thirty percent every year, right? And, yeah. and obviously, the year is still long. Um, but if he's in that thirty-four to thirty-six percent range. Uh, and he's at least reasonably reliable as a spot up guy when he's open, then I think, you know, you'll, you'll be pretty happy with, with his shooting or at least happy enough that it's not preventing him from, uh, from being effective. And again, you know, importantly, I don't think teams play him like a guy that is a bad shooter or something like that. I mean, teams obviously play him um, as a guy that you want to limit his ability to get those shots. So one last thing, uh, and Dante, just a couple more numbers. The other thing that uh, we've, we've both sort of spoke about is his, his playmaking is improving. And, or maybe it's always been there. I'm not sure. Like I said, we haven't seen him uh, play that much before this season. And there was some talk in the, over the summer from Bucks fans that he was the point guard. And again, I don't think he's a, he's a great playmaker in the half court, but uh, he does seem to make the smart pass. And when you look at these last little stretch of, of games for Dante, uh, going back to the game against the Pelicans, he had three assists, then three assists, then four, then nine, then six, then uh, only only the one against New York, and then three uh, against the Pacers. And in none of those games has he had more than one turnover. So he's taking care of the ball. And I think the thing with him is uh, he's not doing anything crazy with those assists. They're just a smart smart move, smart play. And, uh, you know, I think when you compare him to Sterling Brown, as you mentioned, I mean, I, I just feel a lot better with Dante with the ball. And in, in some respects, that's been a little bit disappointing to see from Sterling, who also, who after I, I pumped up a lot about his finishing at the rim last season and, and early this season, uh, he's really struggled from there as well. Sterling Brown just shooting 37% from the field, obviously uh, not a great number there. And before I get last, any last thoughts on this Sixers game? And this is not going to be breaking news by the time this comes out, but he's Australian, so I'm going to mention Dante Exum traded to the Cavs for Jordan Clarkson. Uh, so Utah, obviously Mike Conley is going to be out for a little bit longer, and Utah maybe uh, well, it looked like they just lost all faith in Dante Exum, obviously pick four a few years ago, but Utah also sent a couple of second round picks to the Cavs in that one, if you wanted to know how far Dante Exum's uh, stock dropped over the last couple of seasons. But yeah, before we wrap this up, Frank, what are you any any final thoughts on on Bucks Sixers? It's I, I think like I said, we I feel like we've been kind of negative about the Sixers, but I think that's just first of all, as you said, in comparison to what we've seen <laughs> with the Bucks, but also I, I think because we've we've seen uh, the offense play out. I think the way a lot of people predicted it would, and it's kind of like, well, how did you not see this? So uh, they're still a very good team, and I'm expecting that this is going to be a pretty fun game. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I've heard a couple of you national folks say, you know, this is sort of the the game that they've circled um, actually on 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 Christmas Day, and which is saying a lot given the the battle for LA is there as well. Maybe, obviously, if if yeah. certain superstars <laughs> miss that game, that would certainly take a lot of the shine out of the the Clippers Lakers game. But um, for sure, I mean, this is uh, you know, I think the preseason kind of battle between the two th- teams you would have expected to be duking it out in the East finals. And I think certainly you look at, you know, what's happened so far. I think, I think teams like the Celtics, um, you know, even the Raptors um, are, are going to have something to say about that. We'll see what the Pacers, obviously, I think, you know, I don't think they're necessarily scary from a Bucks perspective at yeah. this point, but um, certainly other teams, I think are going to have something to say at least about the Sixers and, and whether they are really, you know, the second best team or, you know, the, the second or the co-favorites in the East as many had them 
prior to the season. But, uh, you know, again, like I, I tweeted about the other day, I mean, um, games like this to me are important, like largely just because I, I just don't want to be annoyed listening to podcasts question the Bucks <laughs> all the time, even when they have by far the best record in the league. And on the one hand, like it really, I mean, it, it does not, I mean, and I know obviously, you know, you guys who listen to us all the time, I mean, hopefully it's because, you know, we give you a pretty sober view of, of where the Bucks fit in to the rest of the league. But, you know, most of you probably listen to other podcasts about the NBA and um, you know, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I personally don't, I mean, I don't really care if teams sort of question the Bucks and whether they have enough star power and this and that, um, I, again, it's all going to come out in the wash in the end, right? Because yeah. on the one hand, it's not like, you know, the Bucks being questioned or not given the respect or time by ESPN. It's not going to affect Giannis' ability to win an MVP uh, from everything we're seeing. I mean, you know, again, God willing, he stays healthy. Um, he's obviously getting all the, I think, the credibility and respect he deserves. Um, Again, maybe people are even trying to make it a little bit more of a competition, but it doesn't seem like from the straw polls that you know Giannis is getting uh, short shrifted because he plays for the Bucks yeah. or because he plays in a small market. Um, but you know, I think as far as teams go, I mean, all that matters is what happens, you know, in, in May and June. And again, if people underestimate the Bucks, well, that's fine. Let them let them yeah, let, them, yeah, yeah. let them underestimate the Bucks. I mean, you know, if they want to ignore them. Um, that's fine because you know if you win an NBA title, guess what? No one's going to ignore you anymore, and you know everybody's going to be able to dig up the receipts and enjoy uh, the fact that people were wrong. But if you lose, well, you know then then obviously uh, it's it's a different story. So I don't know. I mean, I would say for for fans, you know, and again, it's kind of easier to say this maybe, but um, I, I wouldn't worry about it. I mean, you know, night in night out, this is a team that just has been winning at obviously a historic rate, especially relative to this franchise and what we've seen even compared to last year. So I would say worry less about kind of the outside voices and just enjoy what we're getting to watch night in and night out. Enjoy Giannis, obviously enjoy the rest of this team, the way they play. And, uh, you know, yeah, I'd love to see them beat Philly just because again, it would kind of tamp down any of the like, Oh, what about Philly? What about Philly? But ultimately again, every, <laughs> no one has won a playoff game in the East or West yet. So I get it, you know. Team people are gonna are gonna only give you so much credit for what happens during the regular season, but um, you know, the regular season can be fun, right? We, again, I, I hate it when people sort of say it doesn't mean anything or, or whatever. Um, I think people play it because you know, again, it's it, it's entertaining. It's worth something. It matters. It builds all the habits that you need come playoff time. And obviously, so far it's been very good. We've seen very good omens for the Bucks in that regard. And Hopefully, uh, hopefully we don't get a disappointment here uh, on Christmas Day. But either way, one just one game. Either way, I think we. I don't think we overreacted at the Laker or Clipper wins either. Um, and again, this one a little bit different because it's on the road. But uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully Bucks fans get something uh, get something good from Santa uh, with uh, with a win on uh, on Christmas. Well, the big thing is this is something to sort of point to before the Lakers game. It doesn't really matter if the Bucks win or lose. The, the takes are probably going to be the same because they beat the Lakers and everyone was still like, well, I mean, uh, it doesn't really matter. And then if they had a loss, then, then they're going to get piled on <laughs> anyway. So they're actually still in a lose-lose situation. So it's kind of like, well, I, I agree. There's no point in, in being bothered or, or frustrated by that. But yeah, it's, it is going to be fun. And you know, last year, obviously, it was a, it was a cool experience for the Bucks to be finally playing on Christmas when 
you know, we thought they were a slight chance the year before, but certainly understandable why they, they didn't. But now, as long as Giannis is in Milwaukee, we, we suspect that they're going to be pretty well a, a permanent fixture on, on Christmas Day, which is really fun because it's, it's, it is, you know, one of the more uh, exciting days, I guess, on the NBA, NBA regular season calendar, even though if you look at these games, uh, <laughs> there's, some, there's some questionable matchups, which, you know, I mean, you, a lot of that you, you can't help. But it, it's going to be fun. And it's uh, obviously I'm still in Australia, so it's going to be a, a 6.30 a.m. tip on Boxing Day for me, uh, not even Christmas Day, but it's still going to be fun. But uh, I'm glad we got to catch up here. It is a busy time. I know you're back in uh, Wisconsin with family, but I uh, appreciate you taking the time. And we will speak after that game, I'm sure, at some point after that game in the days after that. But uh, you make sure you have a good Christmas, Frank. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Uh, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to everybody who's out there listening. Obviously, we appreciate you taking the time. I don't, I don't know. Maybe you're listening to us driving to some sort yeah. of family, family event or <laughs> holiday, this or that. So uh, if we can help you kill some, uh, some idle time here during the holidays, uh, we're, we're happy to help. And obviously, the Bucks giving us a lot of, so far, uh, not to jinx anything, obviously giving us a lot of very fun and interesting topics to, to talk about and generally positive things to, uh, to, to look into. So um, yeah, Merry Christmas Kane. And we'll talk to you uh, hopefully knock on wood after a buck <laughs> win, but um, either way, hopefully a, a good day of basketball on Christmas when in America, at least, especially with the focus on football, obviously a lot of folks look at this as sort of the official start to uh, the NBA season for, for casual fans. So hopefully the Bucks can start it off right. Merry Christmas, everyone.